Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome. I'm back here for the moment to uh, open up the service uh, and do announcements, uh, just because I have to play a video, and it's quite complicated. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. And everybody hear me all right? Yeah? Okay. Um, as far as announcements go, pay close attention to that big announcement sheet in the bulletin. There's so many things going on. I don't want you to miss any of it. If you look at your uh, announcement sheet, uh, she's talking about the Linton worship services. On your way out of town, like you're headed to Illinois. Used to be a car dealership. Right. And while it didn't get in the list of things, you'll see there's another tote back there for the Viking Vault. Um, if you need to know more about that, I, I don't know all the info on that, but you can talk with Susie Tooley. She can tell you more about that. Uh, anything else? <coughs> All right. Well, let's pray, and we'll prepare our hearts for worship this morning. God in heaven, I thank you for today. I thank you for your great love for us. You sent your son, Jesus, because you found us uh, wanting, and, and we were in need, unable to save ourselves. And so you said, uh, who will go? And Jesus went, and he sacrificed himself for us. And we're going to think on that today. We're going to worship uh, through celebration of Holy Communion today. Uh, but we want to prepare our hearts for the word, prepare our hearts as we worship you. Uh, it's your promise that if we gather together in your name, you're here in our midst. And we want to invite you to move in us, to teach us, to shape us, and help us to become more like your son, Jesus. We ask this in his name. And now we pray that prayer that he taught his disciples to pray as we say with one voice, our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, let's stand and let's sing our opening hymn, My Hope is Built, verses 1, 2, and 4.
Please be seated. Do we have any birthdays we need to celebrate today? <laughs> no, Aileen. Anniversaries to celebrate today? No, he's not married either. All right, any other good news? You know, I was listening to a sermon uh, yesterday. Well, Rachel, it was two days ago. Well, Rachel and I went on a little overnighter to Madison, Indiana, and um, I tortured her by listening to preaching podcasts on the way there. And, uh, but the, the sermon was on the power of testimony. And his scripture that he talked on was, he said that they, uh, the spirit of testimony, uh, or the spirit of, of prophecy, rather, is the testimony of Jesus. And he explained what that meant. He's like, prophecy is sharing the heart, the heart of God with what he wants to have happen. So like when a prophet showed up in the Old Testament, they would say, this is what God's going to do. They just made an announcement, right? And it was because the prophet said it, though, that it actually made it happen. But it was what God wanted to do. And, and he says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So it's when we share what God is doing in our lives. And he said, what, that, what happens when you share? And you've seen it happen in here in this service before. Somebody will share something good that God is doing. And somebody else will go, ooh, <laughs> right? And it reminded them of something God was doing in their lives. And then oh, somebody else, it's like popcorn, right? And what that does then is there's that, all, there's that one person who's been sitting there wondering if God was going to be there for them. And the power of those testimonies encouraged them. Uh, I wish that I had some rubbing alcohol. I could show you how it can, if you light, if you pour it on a cookie sheet and you light it, it goes... <laughs> Right? Testimony does that in our spirits. If, if, you know, June will say, oh, well, God did this and it was just wonderful. Somebody else will go, ooh, I, I'm going to grab that. <laughs> you know, I'm, that is, God can do the same thing for me. If he can do it for June, surely he can do it for me. Right? And that's like that, that, that flammable, you know, faith. And it encourages us. So that's when I say, what else good is going on? You know, we need to do that to encourage one another and share our stories, and, and you'll see it, you know. I'm not saying it has to happen today, but don't be afraid to share. What's the good news? And it, and it becomes contagious, and other people latch on to that, and it gives them hope as well. So any, one more question. Anything good going on? What has God been doing for you lately? We got two healthy kids here. Two healthy, healthy, healthy kids. Healthy kids. Yes, emphasis on the healthy all right. Yeah, we like it when you're healthy. Although he does have some spots. He does have spots. I don't know what All over his there. face. Yeah, he had them on his belly. No. That's good news. What were you going to share? Uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the hand went up. son's here, one of your friends is here, we won't say which one. <laughs> oh, they are trouble, I'll tell you. Good. Anything else? Jovert. Mm. And that's something. 
made an impact, didn't he? Yeah, he did make an impact. Father John Finn, he was a full military service man. Good. Well, that is something to be thankful for. That is a good testimony. Let's pray together, church. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that you've uh, reminded us in the scriptures that, that we're supposed to bring our, requ- our requests to you. Um, and so we do. We petition you. You called us to, to petition you about these things. And we, we know and believe that you are able, but you've asked us to engage you in prayer uh, and that when we do, you will hear and you will answer. And so, God, we lift up our brother Mark to you. He's got this rash going on, this allergic reaction to the dressing uh, post-surgery, and it just uh, is a a discomfort, to say the least. But we pray that that would go away, uh, that he would have uh, a clean and clear skin underneath that dressing. We pray uh, for the uh, grandmother Weinberger's family as, as she passed last week. We pray that... Um, that legacy of, of faith that she may have left would grow and be strong, that you would comfort uh, her family as they grieve. We pray again uh, the same for uh, Ollie's family, Debbie's stepmom, as they grieve her passing, that you would be with them, that you'd be a God of comfort and a God of grace. Um, and we pray that you would, you would uh, keep everyone who's traveling for that funeral Uh, safe while they travel. God, we lift these things up to you and we ask that in your mercy you would hear our prayers and we ask not because of our own merit, not because we feel worthy, but because you have said that you're eager to answer our prayers, that you want us to call upon you. And so we do so and we ask all of these things in the powerful and the good name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. Our scripture today is a doozy. (laughs) It is Isaiah chapter 55. I will let you know in the first service, last week, Allison Rose read, and I had like two lines of scripture. This week, Patrick Rose read, and he had an entire chapter to read. He was not real happy with me. Um, But... And it's really only just a, a few verses that I'm going to highlight, but the whole chapter is so good. I didn't want to break anything out. So just kind of get your listening ears on. I'm going to read the word for you. And uh, hopefully, uh, maybe if, if God doesn't speak to you through the sermon, maybe he'll speak to you through the reading of the word. Uh, Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that you did not know shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. And this is one of the the, the portions of this Scripture that I'm going to focus on in the message is verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, 
make it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And, and this is another portion I'm going to focus on. It shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it, for you shall go out in my joy and be led forth in peace. And the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all of the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, Amen. So the promise, the word of God, that we're all invited into all that God has for us. All right, that's what we're going to talk about, all that God has for us. Not just, I've said this in, in previous sermons, it's not just about the hereafter, it's about the here and now. It's what God wants to do in and through us today is just as much a part of this gospel, just as much a part of this table, this holy communion, as the hereafter. The hereafter is nothing to shake a stick at. I am glad that when I die, I get to be present with the Lord for all eternity. But there's a greater promise. He says, you can have eternity in your hearts right now. You can have fellowship with me today, not just later. You can have a real, vibrant, alive walk with God. And I think that's what this scripture is, is promising us. And so I've titled this one, this is part four of the life of a disciple, True Believer. Um, and when you read a, a, a title like that, True Believer, the question at least that comes to my mind is, well, what's a false believer? All right, true or false? What's a false believer? And James, um, he puts it pretty clear. He says, oh, you believe? You know, he says, you believe that Jesus is Lord? Great. Even the demons believe that. And they tremble. They shudder because they believe that. In other words, they know he's Lord, and it scares the living daylights out of them. We give this mental agreement that Jesus is Lord, but it sure doesn't make us tremble, does it? It makes us go, yeah, he's Lord. I don't really know what that means. Because we focus a lot on Jesus as Savior, which is good. He is your Savior, but he is also your Lord. We've mentioned that several times. And I'm just driving home some of the same points in this sermon, but this idea that we have been bought and paid for, you know, who owns the keys to our house now? Jesus does, and so we need to give him the keys. We need to make him Lord, not just Savior, but Lord, all right? And that's, we're going we're gonna to flesh that out some more in the coming day, in the coming weeks, but it's not reserved, this life with God, this Lordship, is not something reserved for us in the sweet by and by, that, that pie in the sky, Right, that uh, Rich Mullins wrote a song uh, about the heaven in Jesus' eyes. He says, "I'm not talking about the pie in the sky that good girls and boys get in the by and by. I'm talking about the strength that you can find today if you've got the guts to try. That you can have eternity right now." Jesus said, uh, "The the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's right there. Just grab it." Now, does that mean that? Uh, you know, some people have taken that and they've turned it into this health and wealth gospel, this prosperity gospel that says you'll never be poor, you'll never be want for money, you're never going to be sick, uh, you're never going to have any kind of trouble in your life. But Jesus uh, directly negated that thought. He said, listen, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but don't be afraid because with me, we're going to overcome it. Okay, because I've overcome it. You can walk with me and I'm going to overcome that. That means in the middle of trouble, you have someone with you. Not just somebody standing way off in the distant future somewhere saying, hey, everything's going to be better when you get here. You have somebody who's with you right now in that moment to give you the strength that you can find if you've got the guts to try. So if you have the courage to trust that's what it means to be a disciple, to be a true believer, is to trust God with your whole life, not just your future, but today as well. So we're going to look at uh, Isaiah. If you have your Bibles with you, grab them out. Um, if not, we've got, I don't know why we have pew Bibles in the front pews. No one ever sits here. 
Anybody need a Bible? There you go. Um, you can also use, you can get a Bible app on your phone, or Gail Bluenier told me if you got Google on your phone, you just open up Google and type, type in the Bible verse, and it will take you right to it. It's really, really fast, okay? But Isaiah 55, in, in my Bible, that's not quite halfway, a little bit before halfway to get to Isaiah 55. But you, on the front of all your Bibles is a little cheat sheet to tell you what page each book begins on. But in Isaiah chapter 55, we're not going to read the whole chapter again. We already did that. But... And the first few verses are, are great about, it talks about uh, developing that relationship with God and what that relationship can be like. And I love verse 5, this nation that didn't know you is going to run to you. A nation that didn't know you will run to you. And that's, that, that's sort of a prophetic uh, scripture that God is talking about. People who don't even know God. You know, Israel had this dispensation, if you will, this, this leg up with God. God came to be with them. He dwelt among them, right? In the tabernacle, in the wilderness, and in the temple, the presence of the living God was there. And all the other nations, they didn't have that revelation. They didn't have God coming to live with them and be with them on a daily basis. And he says, there's nations who don't even know you. They're going to run to you. Israel, what'd they do when God showed up? <laughs> they ran away, <laughs> Right? And he's saying this is going to be different. Instead of you running away, these nations that don't know you, they're going to run to you. And people that weren't your people, some of the other prophets say, people that were not my people, I'm going to call my people. And I will be their God. And he's talking about us. We who have chosen God, you know, and we came running to him when he, when he offered that. But in verse 6, if you look at verse 6, it's that phrase right there I want us to linger on a little bit. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Now, I've said this before in service. If you seek God, what will happen? You'll find him. That's a promise from the scriptures. If you seek me, you will find me. So why is he saying, seek me while I may be found? In some sense of the word, and I think genuinely true, anytime you show up looking for God, he's ready. <laughs> he's like, you rang? You know, and there he is. He's that butler that comes out of the shadows. You didn't even expect him to be there, but he's there, always listening, always ready, okay? But there are these special moments, right? When, can you imagine? I don't, like, I don't really like thinking of God as the butler, you know, because he's not our servant, you know? But imagine you're in your bed and you, you need something, right? You need a glass of water. You're thirsty, boy, I sure do wish that my butler could bring me a glass of water right now. And you sit there with all this wishful thinking and thirsty the whole time. And then you hear the butler shuffle down the hallway outside your bedroom door. And you just, oh, I wish he would open my door and come in and ask me if I need anything because I would tell him real quick that I need a glass of water but then the footsteps fade away and we don't hear them anymore. And a couple hours later, he comes by again, <laughs> shuffling by your door and you're like, oh, it'd be so nice if he'd just knock on that door to see if I need anything, you know, right? All the while not realizing that the butler is thinking, I wonder if my master needs anything. Surely when I walk by his bedroom door, he'll hear me and if he needs something, he'll say, hey, I need something that this was the butler's idea of making his presence known so that if you needed anything, you could call on him. Right? So there's that image of when God is near, when he's moving in your life in ways where you start to sense his presence, you start to sense that, ooh, God's doing something, he's wanting something from me. Those are the moments to take hold of. Don't be sheepish. Don't say, I know this happens to other people, but maybe someday me. No, move in. Jesus said, Take it. You know, it said the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. That means it puts up with it. It, it, it suffers it. You know, suffer the little children to come unto me. 
He's like, allow it. In other words, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven likes it when you get hungry. Okay, the kingdom of heaven responds to your assertiveness with God. And we have this sheepishness when it comes to God. Right? We're like, oh, don't, don't ask God for anything because he might be in a bad mood. Maybe I haven't been good enough to ask God for anything. And, and God, to that, God would say, well, if that were the litmus test, nobody would get anything because <laughs> nobody's good enough. He's like, come and ask me. He says, in fact, come and ask me until I can't put up with you anymore. He gives us a parable. He says, if you need something, you know, the unjust judge, and the lady knocks and says, hey, you got to do something about this. And the judge says, go well. And she comes back, she knocks again. She comes back, she knocks again. And finally, just to get her to shut up, he deals with her situation. And then he says, if an unjust judge will do that, think about the judge that actually is eager to get involved in your life, that wants a relationship with you, that cares tremendously about what you're going through. And when you come to me, I'm not like, oh, let me check my calendar and see what's going on. He's eager to get involved, right? But there are times when the judge calls you and you see on the caller ID, ooh, it's the judge. Don't answer the phone. Number one, I might have done something I'm going to get in trouble for. Number two, he might ask me to do something I don't want to do. Right? Or number three, he's like, I've got abundant life for you. Do you want it? I'm calling you because, to tell you that you're a sweepstakes winner and you're not answering the phone because you're afraid of what I'm going to say. You're afraid of this intimacy with God, right? I've been there a lot. I've <laughs> been there a lot. And I think we all have. That's common to us. We're afraid of intimacy with God, number one, because we don't feel worthy. He says, you're not, but get over it. And then number two, because he might call me to something I don't want to do. But number three, the real reason he's calling is because, yeah, I'm going to take you places you don't want to go, but only because that's where the blessing is. You don't realize there's fields of diamonds out there. And you just see dust. But I'm taking you out there to bless you. I'm taking you out there to, to bring you to a, play, a new place in me. And that we have a God who's in our court, so to speak. That he favors us, but we don't trust him. And a true believer learns to trust him. Learns to trust that no matter what God does, no matter what he asks, um, it's for our blessing. It's for our blessing. Um, got your Bibles out. Turn to the Gospel of Mark. That's way in the New Testament. Later on in the, in the book of Isaiah, if you want to read that, um, I mean, we read it earlier, but in Isaiah it talks about, I'm no longer going to give you thorns, but I'm going to give you a cypress. No, no longer going to give you briars, but I'm going to give you a myrtle. And I'm like, oh, I don't eat myrtles either. <laughs> Why are you giving me that? Well, those are evergreen shrubs, Right? And the cypress is an evergreen. And what it speaks of is, I've come to give you life, not just labor, not just hard work. Because that's part of the curse, right? The curse was the ground that you work is going by the sweat of your brow, and it's going to produce for you fruit. But other than that, it's just going to give you thorns. And so he's like, no, I've come, and I'm no more thorns. Now you're going to get life. And not just life, but eternal life, evergreen life, right? But in Mark chapter 10, didn't tell you the chapter, did I? Mark chapter 10, there is a story. One of my favorite people in the Bible, I am named after him. Did you all know that? My first name is Bart. And in verse 46 of chapter 10, there is a guy named Bartimaeus, which just means Bart, son of Timaeus. Okay? Bart, son of Timaeus. And uh, so this is Bart, blind Bart, by the way, in this story. But he lives in a town called Jericho. Do you remember uh, the town of Jericho? Anybody remember any stories about Jericho? What happened to Jericho? The The walls came tumbling down. That place was judged, (laughs) right? And uh, God raised it to the ground. Not R-A-I-S-E-D, but R-A-Z, right? Raised it. He just, just crumbled it destroyed it, and it got rebuilt. And Bart lives in Jericho. And so this 
from the ruins of a judged city, right? Does that not speak the gospel to you? That humanity has been judged. And from that ruins, there's this guy named Blind Bart. And he sits on the side of the road. And what happens when you're blind? What, what sense do you rely on more when you're blind? I mean, all of them would be accented a little bit, but hearing, for sure. You listen to everything, and you can hear more than other people can hear. And you, and you can sense things with your ears that you couldn't sense before when you had eyes. And he starts to hear the crowd change. There was always people around, but it changed. There was something going on. There was a fever, right? A messianic fever. Somebody was in that crowd that was different. There was something going on. And he's like, hey, guys, what's going on? What's going on? It's Jesus and his disciples and a whole crowd were passing by as they were leaving Jericho, leaving the ruins, right? And, and they're coming out of there. And he's like, what's going on? Hey, somebody tell me what's going on. He starts to speak up, starts to get aggressive, right? Starts to get hungry. He says, hey, what's going on? And somebody says, it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Quiet down, <laughs> you know? And he, what's he start doing? He says, Jesus, loud as he can, son of David, have mercy on me. And then what's the crowd do at that point? Barch. This is Jesus you're talking to. You do not yell at Jesus. Okay, he's the rabbi, he's the teacher. You realize what this guy can do? And you're yelling at, you're hollering at him? from the dust over here in the corner where you spend all of your time hobbling outside the ruins of Jericho, right? And you're yelling at Jesus, telling him what to do, you know? And Jesus says, you know, remember the, the woman who touched the hem of his garment? I don't know if Jesus actually heard Blind Bart, but he heard Blind Bart, right? And I, I can imagine this whole crowd of people and it, whether he could hear him or not, he heard him. He said, whoa, who's that? Who's calling for me? There were probably all kinds of people around saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But this one was calling for him. And it was different. Jesus was responding to something that was different. There was a hunger and an assertiveness of violence, if you will, to blind Bart's call. Right? It was almost a command. Have mercy on me. It wasn't even a request, not even a question. He's like, Jesus, son of David. In other words, I know who you are. You're the promised one. You're the Messiah. Have mercy on me. And Jesus says, call him forward. And they're like, oh, you're in trouble now. The, Messiah, the teacher's asking for you. He's going to put you in your place. Right? And I, he's like, okay. He gets up there. Right? And Jesus asks him a question. Let me, let me read to it so I don't mess it up. He stopped and he said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling to you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus, right? That's, that's what a quickness that he gets to Jesus. He doesn't timidly or sheepishly approach the throne of grace. He jumps up and he runs as quickly as he can to where Jesus is. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you understand in the scriptures, if Jesus asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, okay? He's no dummy. He knew what, he, uh, he's blind. I know what he's going to ask me, but I want him to ask, okay? I know what he's going to ask, but I want him to ask. I want to see, I want to test the hunger of his faith. And he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, and pay attention to how he words this. Rabbi, which means teacher, he says, let me recover my sight. What is the blind man expected to do here? In his own question, he's saying, let me recover my sight. He's taking ownership, right, of I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to have to play a role in this. I don't know what it is because I'm just a blind guy from Jericho. But tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. And Jesus says, go your way. Eventually, someday in heaven, you're going to be able to see again. Is that what it says? 
Oh, okay, you guys didn't catch me on it very quick. <laughs> you're, you're like, he's got a different Bible than me. <laughs> what does it say? It says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And then immediately, now I'm not a scholar, but I'm pretty sure immediately means now. Immediately he recovered his sight. And then what did he do? He followed him on the way. He just joined the procession, right? But what got him there, Jesus said it, it's your faith. Right? Remember when we talked about testimony? Yeah, and all the blind people would say, wait a second, I know Bart. He's just a blind guy like me. If God can heal Bart, he can probably heal me too. And Bart's going to tell all the blind people along the way, hey, Jesus is coming. What you going to do? Just going to sit there and hope that he stops by? Start hollering. Start hollering. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then tell him what you want. Tell him what you really, really want. Right? That's what the Spice Girls would say. Tell Jesus what you want. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. When God is passing by, as Isaiah said, call upon him while he's near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Don't wait. Don't wait. Is it wasted on any of you that this is 2020? What's 2020 mean? Perfect vision, as good as it gets, right, for a person. 2020, 2020. I, I, I don't want to make more of that than it is, but I, I, I can't just dismiss that, that God wants to show us more this year. God wants to say, hey, I'm near, I'm drawing near, I'm coming through the ruins of your city, the ruins of your life, where you're sitting there in the dust, I'm walking by, and I have great things to show you. What are you going to do? What would Bart tell us to do? He'd say, call on the name of the Lord while he may be found. Are we willing to call upon him as he passes by? And I'm suggesting rather strongly <laughs> that God is wanting to do a great deal more in and through us than we are able to see. When we look at ourselves and we look at our own estimation, we find ourselves wanting and so miserable. And Why would God ever do anything in little old St. Paul's? Why would God ever do anything new in Poseyville? Why would God do every? I mean, it's Posey County. It doesn't even invoke wonder to anybody. Why would God choose this place? Well, it's because there are people here. And he wants those people who do not know him to run to him. People who are not his people. And he'll do that through us. If we'll engage, if we will start to call out to him while he draws near. St. Paul's matters more than St. Paul's think it does. Thinks it does. St. Paul's matters more than St. Paul's thinks that it does. Let's not squander the opportunity of the Lord passing by. It's for us now, if we'll take it. We're going to break for communion and we're going to sing uh, a final hymn. Uh, but I want us to think about that even as we're taking communion. We are celebrating the Lord's salvation. We truly are. But it is not just what he has saved us from. It is what he is saving us to. And he has a great many things in store for us. It was on the night in which Jesus was betrayed that he gathered his disciples and he broke the bread and he said, take this, eat this, all of you. This is my body broken for you. And every time that you do so, do it in remembrance of me. And he is to be the focus of our hearts. And then he took the cup, knowing what it was. It was the cup of bitterness, the cup of sorrow. And he lifted it and he gave thanks to his father. Because he knew that while it represented his suffering and his bloodshed, while it represented something he really did not want to go and do, he was willing to go and do it because it meant the redemption of the world. And he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. It's going to make all things new. It's shed for the remission of sins. And every time you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, call to your mind that testimony. Remind yourselves and tell everyone else, Jesus loves us so much 
that he died for us so that we could be with him in eternity. Not just eternity in the hereafter, but even that eternity in our hearts, eternity in the here and the now. Would you pray with me and then I'm going to serve Margie and then I'll invite you to come to the table. God, we thank you for this this unfathomable love and mercy and grace that you have for us. And we pause in this moment to celebrate it. We pause in this moment to call upon uh, our, our minds and our hearts to remember you. But we also choose this moment, if you would, but give us the grace and the strength to do so. We choose this moment to call upon your name. We recognize that in this moment, this sacred moment, that you are drawing near to us that you are passing by in ways that you don't at other times. And so we, we choose in this moment to call out to you, Son of David, have mercy on us. We bring to you our blindness. We bring to you our fear. We bring to you that hesitancy and that um, reluctancy to to obey and follow you. We ask that you give us the strength and the perseverance, as Rich Mullen said, the guts to try. We ask this in your name, Jesus. So the gift has been prepared. The invitation stands. Come as you will to receive the Lord's Supper. Michelle, the body of Christ and the blood shed for your sins. Michael, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. juice to remember just how much Jesus loves you. Well, let's stand and sing our closing hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood. I believe the lines are drawn from Emmanuel's veins. But even the words of this song talk a great deal about what is offered to us in Christ, not just in the future, but now.
So call out to God while he is near, while he is passing by. I think the invitation for us is very clear to call out to him because we're true believers, those who put their hope in him, not just because he is Lord, but because we trust in the Lord, that he is our hope. And I believe that the answer that he will give you if you call out to him will be the same one that he gave to old blind Bart. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Amen.